Across We Make, the podcast about making, creativity, and why we do what we do as makers and creatives. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari, and joining me as always, my good friend and co-host, Mr. Ethan Carter. What is up, Vincent? How you doing, man? I told everybody that if you aren't here this week, that they should send the police. Yes. Because something clearly happened to you. <laughs> it was, yeah, something would be really wrong. And it, you, you know what? It, 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 you're not even joking because, uh, and I won't get into it, but we, my older dog had surgery last week and it's oh, a, no. been a mess. Uh, he's fine. He's fine. But just in terms of uh, uh, care, um, it's been a mess. And I was like, nope, we're, we're, <laughs> we're figuring this out. We're making this happen. Uh, Pack in a Band-Aid yeah. and lay still for a couple it, it, hours. Exa- exactly, exactly. But yes, he is fine. Don't I don't good, want good, anyone good. to think that. But, it's, uh, but yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's draining. Lot, Let's just put it that way. You've been doing a lot of um, high-quality pet content lately, I've uh, noticed. It's, well, I mean, yes, the, the, the puppy has become my life but um but at the same time between her getting spayed and then our older dog having kind of pretty pretty major surgery this past week it it has definitely consumed my life (laughs) Uh, and so you know but that's but that's part of our content right part Mm -hmm. content uh i think if you're authentic your content kind of reflects a little bit of of what's going on in your life so i'm saying this to you as someone who every single day i find some new picture of me and tom that i was Aww. posting when tom yeah. was around so believe me yeah, i yeah. completely under i think pet people are just a whole different breed when mm-hmm. it comes to that kind of stuff but, agreed completely <laughs> oh and it's you know it's another great avenue it's given me so many uh project ideas so <laughs> <laughs> well the problem is you make everything out of leather so yeah. it's like i don't i can't imagine there's a lot of good quality dog things you can make i mean you make a lot of leashes but you know yeah. those aren't yeah. just for dogs as we've <laughs> joked with tineal on many occasions well the so the thing i posted tonight was a, a dog treat pouch and i was watching um it was actually going to be my secondary thing of the week um i was watching a, a trainer that you had this like pouch that had all the dog treats in it and it just looked it just looked junky and i'm like you're on youtube and you're using this junky thing i was like well i'm gonna make one out of leather so well if you you made the dog treat bag then the next thing of course is a poop bag oh yeah for sure i mean it's just you got it that's a natural natural progression right then the leash yep i made a couple leashes yeah oh oh, you made made a collar i'm waiting for her to get full ground but yeah collars are yeah you don't want to put all that work into it and then have her outgrow it that would suck Good stuff, man. I yeah. am, I'm proud of you. I'm, it's good to have you back. It's, oh, um, it's I, I got to throw a quick shout out. I got to throw a quick shout out last week to um, mm-hmm. Keith Drennan, Blackthorn Concepts, for stepping in. Um, <laughs> I think job. I asked him yeah. probably a day before we recorded, yeah. and he was like, yeah, sure, no problem. In fact, um, he both he and Steve Mosley, making it home, mm-hmm. both knew who we were having on this week, and they both volunteered to co-host, oddly enough. Like, <laughs> it's so weird. It's like almost know, as if they wanted to talk to our guest. I mean, look, let's 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 not delay it anymore. Right. Let's not delay it anymore. So we have been talking about having this person on for a long, long time. Um, he's an inspiration to pretty much every maker. We all know his name. He needs about as much of an introduction as Santa Claus at this point. So I'm just going to bring in the man himself, Mr. <laughs> Jimmy DeResta. What's going on, man? Hey, guys. How are you? Oh, Thanks for having me. How you doing? Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. I was like, I was biting my tongue when you're talking about pets because you guys know I have a few animals. A few, yeah. Just a few. <laughs> like more pets or trucks, which do you, have, which do you think you have more of? I think I have too many of both, but <laughs> not enough. You know, Taylor not, and I are really too many and not enough. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Taylor and I are both truck people, and we're both pet people. So anytime we see an old truck, we're like, oh, you want to get it? Oh, and right away, she's like, let's paint it white. She wants to paint every truck. Uh oh. Uh oh. 
Jimmy, your your mute button, your mute button is um, flickering on and off. Oh, you know what okay, it was? I'm so sorry. I guess my elbow was hitting the enter button while it was hovering over there. <laughs> I am at this computer, which I'm never at unless I'm doing a podcast, and the keyboard is the extra wide. Is this one. your podcast computer? Is this that my what? podcast computer, the one I do Bob and Dave cool, with? Yeah. So, sorry about that. I was saying no Taylor problem. wants to save every stray truck with me and every stray animal, regardless of the yeah. species. Could be a deer, could be a hawk, could be a seagull. She wants to save everything. I love we were it. cracking I love up it. this weekend because we were watching your video where you made the catapult. Yeah. And we were, we were watching, you know, sh- you shooting the treats at the cats. And it was just, the, I, I don't know, I'm, just, I'm a cat guy to begin with. And just right. watching them go crazy, going uh-huh. after the treats and then coming back to the catapults. Like, oh, wait, I don't have to chase it. It's right over here. I can just get it out of here. <laughs> oh, my God. Those cats. Are, if you everybody's around me that comes to the house, they see the cats are like, do you feed these things or, or like, are these like, do you ever feed them? I'm like, I feed them like three times a day. There's something about these cats. They're like insatiable. Like they will not, they will not feel like, okay, enough is enough. Like I feed them an hour later. They're like at the door banging on the window. I think and, that's a cat. That's a cat thing. Like when they sense a treats in the area, like of some kind of treat or something that they like, that's not their normal food. Then they're all over it. They're just the, all the, over it. I was filming that little segment trying to throw the treats but I had a little bowl with like because we give them frozen meat, so I was trying to like keep the frozen meat like away from them while I'm setting up the the, the catapult, and then it's like they're like digging into my jacket. I, I couldn't stop them. I had to like I had to just keep the in my palm of my hand, and then they were melting, and so it was gross. But it worked well, out. Well, it's, it's funny that you say that. So part part of the reason I made this training pouch is I've been keeping treats in my back pocket, my back left pocket, and we were walking down the street and this dog came up and was just obsessing over my, like he was like obsessing over my back pocket, this random like dog or neighborhood dog. And I was like, all right, I got to do something about this. And I was like, I felt like, um, what was Jerry from, in, uh, from Seinfeld where he was like packing the meat in his pockets and then the dogs chasing <laughs> down the street. I was like, I got to stop carrying these treats in my pocket. But yeah, I love how you make a solution for everything with leather. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I work I work with with Weaver and every couple of weeks I'm trying to think I'm racking my brain to come up with something to make out of leather every week. It's crazy. And then every day you have a completely new product made out of leather. It's unbelievable. I, well, I appreciate it. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because one of I, I remember you saying this about your relationship with Weaver and um in uh quarter le- quarter leather. I I'm getting this mm-hmm. wrong, Vincent, but um Quartier, something like that. He's amazing quarter yeah he's amazing um and he works with weaver all the time too but i remember like you you said this about your relationship with weaver and how they want you to kind of do the whatever kind of projects with with leather whereas he's clearly they they have him as being kind of like the more traditional like you know how to kind of or sure you know, yeah. how to make a handle, how to make a whatever. And they want Jimmy making giant bellows. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and, well, and I, I just come up yeah. with crazy stuff. And I'm always like, what do you think about this? They're like, perfect. And what do you think about that? Like, sounds great. Because they know I'm just going to come up with some wacky, but I think wacky, crazy I mean, idea. I think, I think that's a brilliant uh, strategy from, from Weaver to have some kind of people that they work with that are kind of really traditional. And then some that are kind of, exp, you know, kind of out of the box. And, and 
so I don't know. It resonated with me because I was like, that's exactly the, how I'd want to work with a leather working, you know, leather company is have kind of the fun projects to bring people in. And I think, I think both, both of you guys bring different people into mm-hmm. leather working. Yeah. And I think that's a brilliant marketing strategy personally. Well, I'll tell you a little secret. Part of it is my insecurity that I'm not really good at doing stuff the way you do it and the way that he does it with like the perfect stitching. I, well, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm, I would classify myself as you, but. <laughs> well, I, I, I just don't have, maybe I just don't have the uh, 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 coordination to do something as as precise as it appears, like your stuff and mm-hmm. his stuff and, you know, some of the other leather workers, like Chuck, you know, Chuck who does incredible yeah. work. Oh, yeah. And uh, Chuck works for Weaver. He's like their show pony who does incredible work. Uh, so I try and take a completely different route to try and use leather, but not having to put perfect stitch holes in it to right. glue it together. And, you know, so I'm kind of disguising my insecurities in other I types think, of work. I, I think, though, I think, and that is one of the things why I do, I do, I mean, you probably have seen it. I, I do a lot of silly projects too, like a lot of unnecessary, that, that's my mm-hmm. whole like hashtag, right. unnecessary leather. Like silly project holder. Yeah, okay. exactly. Exactly. It's completely <laughs> unnecessary, right? But I think that's part of yeah. what I, what I struggled with when I first kind of discovered leatherworking was it was, I, I was intimidated because, for the same reason. I was intimidated because there's all these fine, fine leatherworking people out there that made beautiful things that seemed completely, you know, overwhelming to someone that was get, just getting started. And so one of my goals has always been of it, whether it's, uh, you know, through the silly projects of kind of making it more accessible. And I think, th- I think that's exactly what you're doing as well is like, it's, you don't have to ha- be a fine leather worker to get into leather working. You can just have fun with it and, and make it. And it doesn't have to look perfect if it's, it's fun and, you know, creative. I don't know. Yeah, well, I love how forgiving leather is. It's, it's absolutely, you know, but people, people don't realize that if you cut something to the wrong size, you could in many cases make it work. You know, I was doing those books mm-hmm. last year, which I, I promised people I'd make more this year. I just haven't had a chance. Probably going into January, I'll probably make about 10 or 12 more because <clears throat> my trailer, which I'll talk about, will be out of my life finally. <laughs> I will be like a divorced dad, like finally being set free. <laughs> um, so, but while I was making those books, there are certain instances where you, even though you know how forgiving leather is, you get to that point where you're like, oh, this is going to be ruined. And you're like, no, it's not. No, it's not. And then you're <laughs> able to manipulate the leather and then you're like, okay, I'm back on course. And, you know, anytime I do a leather project, I always get that little gut instinct of like, okay, I just ruined this piece of leather. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Yeah. So I have to have that negotiation <laughs> with myself several times throughout a project. Well, anyone that so anyone that's seen my project tonight, the, the pouch, uh, I put a little strip on the front lip of, of the pouch and that's mm-hmm. because I completely messed it up. And so it was that. like a jagged edge. And so I, I was like, you know what? How am I going to fix this and make it look fine? I was like, all right, I'll just add another kind of wrapped thing on the, on the lip and make it look like I meant to do it. So, uh, But quit, uh, does Taylor, does it drive Taylor nuts? Because I know she is a like legit fine leather worker mm-hmm. and designer and stuff. But does it drive her nuts watching you do things not like no, precise? Well- no, well, it's funny because she she appreciates me doing my wacky projects. And right. She's like, "Oh, that's interesting. Oh, I wouldn't have thought to do that." You know, but she's she's a little bit of a snob when it comes to leather work. But oh, yeah. she looks at what I do and she'll be like, "Oh, oh, 
oh, that's interesting. Mm, interesting. <laughs> and then every once in a while, she'd be like, oh, my God, can I have this? And then I know. She's like, can yeah, I have this? Right. <laughs> like I <laughs> made awesome. that Bentwood chair for Rockler uh, a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And I I hated it. I just was like, you know what? This is all about Bentwood. This isn't about the style. And I made the stylized chair. The the butt was too short. I was like, this is this, this, the proportions on this are horrible. But I couldn't recover, at least not in the duration of that video. So I just said, you know what? Let me just finish it. And then it was sitting <laughs> in the middle of the studio. And she came in. She goes, oh, my God. Did you make that? I go, yeah. She's like, well, can I have it? I'm like, yeah, you can have it. Because <laughs> she has a studio where she puts all like things that inspire her in her leather studio. So she's like, can I put that in the studio? I'm like, yeah, it's totally, it's yours. She's like, can I, can I bleach the wood? Can I, I'm like, you could, it's yours. You could burn it. I don't care. I'm so sick of that thing. <laughs> I think there's like, I think, I think there's something to be said with that for like significant others who are like around your stuff all the time. And like when they actually, they're, they're I mean, I feel like they're kind of like always, I'm always like, look at this. And they're like, oh, that's, yeah, that's great. Yeah, and exactly. Like, but when, when they actually, when they're like, oh. <laughs> Wait, could you make me one of those? You're like, <laughs> yeah. oh. I feel it's, like I've struck a nerve. I'm like, oh, wow, right. oh, really? You realize you live with me? You know, you have access to me all the time. It's, right. it's, that's interesting because I literally, we literally just had a moment like that this weekend. Like, um, Beth is Beth's school had something like Team Spirit Day or something today, and I'm like, and she's like, she comes over to me and she goes, "Are you able to make me a set of like Mets earrings?" And I said, "Yeah," and that was it. That was all I did. And she goes, "Okay." And she's sitting there real quiet. I was like, oh, would you like me to make you a set of – yes, please. I was like, okay. <laughs> and, it's, and I went downstairs and I'm like, I think I have some orange acrylic. So I did. I made her some Mets earrings. And, and they I, were perfect. I, had, I had so much fun making yeah. them. And I, I, I get into this rut a lot. And I think a lot of us makers do. And it's kind of what you were saying with Taylor, Jimmy, that you get into this rut where we think it's no big deal because we can do it. And then it's like, oh, no, this is awesome. Like she's told me – she told me today she got a few compliments on her earrings. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And I'm thinking like these are just like, you know, knockout and – 20 minutes half hour type earrings but you know the kids the kids like them or the other teachers like them like, oh okay this is kind of cool I, you know i have to remember sometimes i have to remind myself that the stuff that we do as makers is a skill even if it's even other makers around us if they don't have the same skill set you know they look at it and go oh that that's pretty cool i like well, to be able to do that we and we've talked about this before vincent i mean it's also the 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 fact that we're all like super submersed in this community and in this world mm-hmm. and most of the world is not right so like it, it, we talk about like uh, river tables right we're all sick of <laughs> and tired of river tables right um but then for the majority of people out there they haven't seen river the tables a million times them. right the normies love them <laughs> and, and 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 so it's just one of those things that we all i always kind of forget about the fact that like just because i've seen it a ton or i've made a ton doesn't mean that it's not you know it, it, it someone out there has not seen it for the first time mm-hmm. yeah it's funny you got to keep reminding yourself like it's the other day we were in uh, Home Depot and <laughs> Taylor got mad. We were, we, it was a little, we were having this frustrating thing because Taylor's helping me with the trailer. She's helping me do the design and also the intimate details of the electric. She's really good at researching things. Like I'll be mm-hmm. like concept and she's detailed. So I'll be like electrical, uh, solar panel. And she goes and figures it all out. Plumbing, pump, tank, drain tank. Grot, she figures it all out. And we were <laughs> trying to find the details of, some of the plumbing connections and we were in there and I was like, okay, this is the thread for this side. This is the thread for this side, but there's no device 
that has the thread connected. And at one point, the guy's like, well, we could do this and we can order a part. I was like, I just need this side and I just need that side. I go, I don't care if they're connected. I go, I'm not the average person. I can connect them. And Taylor like, throws her arms up all annoyed and embarrassed that I just said that and walks down the aisle. Because I'm trying to tell the guy, he's like, that really, the thing you're trying to do doesn't really work. And I don't, I've never seen that. And I was just like, it doesn't matter. I'm not the average the person. I and said, I know more than you do. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, exactly. And Taylor, she's like, you know, I was so embarrassed when you said that to the guy. I go, when you walked away, we had a laugh. Me and the guy did have a laugh about it. I was like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm just frustrated about this project. I said, I'm a machinist. I could pretty much make anything work. I can glue anything to anything. And he laughed. He's like, all right, cool. That sounds cool. Like he was like, okay, whatever, you wacko. That's the, that's the, um, that's kind of the unconventional thinking, though, that makes you kind of a different kind of maker. You know, you, one of the things that you're known for is making it work. Like mm. even even when something doesn't look like it can or should work, you're mm-hmm. pretty good at you're pretty good at massaging something into a you know a round peg into a square hole when it doesn't really belong there, yeah. and everybody just sits there going, you know, I would have just given up, but you made that damn thing work. You know, it's like I have to keep reminding myself that because there are moments where like. I'll be in a hardware store and I'll, and I'll do exactly what I just described that I was able to overthink. But there are times where I forget and I pick up this device and I'm like, oh, all they got, they only have, you know, this size one. And I'm like, hey, idiot, take it home, throw it on the lathe, make it the right size. <laughs> right, right. Oh my God, perfect. And uh, I had a funny, for instance, it's not going to be in the video because it was just so wacky. And then I don't want plumbers getting mad at me. <laughs> this drain suit had to go through the floor of, has to go through the floor. It's already assembled and done. It went through the floor of the trailer to uh, an elbow, which goes to the uh, the gray water tank. And so I said to Taylor, I'm like, all I need is this thing that comes through the floor and an elbow. And so I got a PVC elbow that's for like this white PVC stuff and the drain coming through the, the floor absolutely doesn't fit in the elbow, but I'm like, don't worry. I'll just, I'll, I'll bridge the gap with a piece of plastic. I'm not worried. And then when I got home, I looked at it and I was like, okay, if this was swollen just a little bit wider, it would fit right in there. And so I'm looking around the room for anything to stick into the pipe while it's softened up with heat. So I softened it up with a torch and I just literally just looked on my table in front of me and there was a a craftsman hammer I picked up and the head snugged inside the soft plastic, swelled it open about 200 thousandths of of an inch. And when it cooled off, it snugged right inside of the elbow. I just threw some PVC glue on it, and it was oh. perfect. Go it, perfect. It, it, I, I, well, I love that, first of all. I think I, it, that's one of those things, though, that I think that comes from years of just – like the whole 10,000 hours, whatever, mm-hmm. is like I think that's part of it is, is one – just looking around and, and figuring it out, um, but also just having the confidence to do it. But it's but I also just think like I I'm always proud of myself when I when I do something, even the simplest thing. And I'll, I'll stop talking about this stupid pouch that I made. Um, but uh, <laughs> I was trying to find a curve, and I literally reached. I, I was like couldn't find the right curve to for for the um, gusset like for the sides of the of the pouch and i looked over and i found my derek from alden uh, mug and i was like that looks like the right size so i used the (laughs) the bottom of my derek from alden you know uh uh, tumbler and use that and it's like it's just one of those things where you kind of just look around right sometimes you just need to look around and say Mm -hmm. what can i use around me to to solve this 
simple problem. What's funny is, you know how many times I just grab a roll of tape and just use the inside of the roll of tape Mm -hmm. to draw like, oh, that's the perfect curve or whatever it might be. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's the, again, it's the unconventional thinking, right? And it's, it's also, you were talking recently, you were talking recently, Jimmy, on making it about um, spatial awareness and being able to see things in 3D. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of comes into play when you look at your, you know, you look at a, you know, a pipe that need for, you know, the pipe in mm-hmm. your trailer that needs to be swelled and you have this hammerhead and you're looking and go, perfect, that's going to work. You right. know, normal people can't see right. that necessarily. They could probably figure it out. Hey, it's like an escape room. You know, you have a certain amount of things and something you have to figure out. They'll get it figured out. But you look at the hammerhead and go. Yeah, that's perfect. That's the right yeah. size. That'll work. It didn't, it didn't fit in the pipe. And I was like, okay, the difference between the thickness of the hammerhead and the, and the open gap will be perfect by the wall thickness of this pipe. All right, let me just heat it up, soften mm-hmm. it. It's snug inside. And right. The steel hammerhead was cold enough to let it cool right down. And then boom, perfect. Boom. <laughs> I've been really enjoying. I've been really enjoying the last the last couple of weeks. You know, this week this week I'm making a, this past episode as we record this. You talked about turning points and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the week before, I think it was, you had a really long talk about your background and what it was like for you in school and stuff. And oh, I, no. I, I don't want to keep going, Vince, but I want to come back to that because it that was an episode that resonated so much for me. So yeah, oh, thank you. I it it really it hits a little differently because. For someone like me who I was I was always kind of being pushed towards doing computer stuff and it's like I like computers but I didn't really want to do that. I just kind of was doing it because I felt like it. Now I'm finally finding my groove and what I'm doing in my day job and finding my place in the world. And it's funny hearing how many people in our space Mm – as they're going through school, especially when they're young, kind of get pigeonholed and it's like, yeah, you're not the, you know, you're not the brightest, mm-hmm. you know, or yep. they look at, they look at artistic intelligence mm-hmm. and they don't see it the same as academic intelligence. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of funny that you went through it. Um, David Gator. went through it. Bob mm-hmm. went through it. Yeah. I kind of went through it. You know, Ethan, I'm assuming based on your reaction, you went through yeah. it. Ethan, where did like, you grow up? Oh. So I grew up in uh, upstate New York, Rochester, New York, and okay. it, li- like literally listening to what you what you talked about was very like almost verbatim of like what I went through. And whereas, um, so I I grew up with learning disabilities, you know, quote unquote, and whatever. And you know, they put me in different. I, I literally did the same thing. I went to different a different room to take tests and everything like that. And I I did. They had tons of tutoring and. It, I, like it was amazing like how much support i got but it was so funny like well what the the one thing that you said that totally resonated with me or, or i did the same thing was when you were talking about the teacher that was helping you take the test and you were like reading her body language about like <laughs> like when it, they're like is it 17 you know 1776 or you know and i did it I learned all those tricks. So my mom, my mom always tells a story in eighth grade. I was horrible at Spanish. I, I legitimately had learning disabilities with language stuff and stuff like that. And my mom helped me study for my Spanish exam, uh, final exam in eighth grade. And she was like, ah, you were, you were going to fail. You knew nothing. And I, I got a 98 on the exam. And, my, and she was like, what did, like, how did you possibly pass this? And I said, I just, it was a, like a, they played a recording and then you had to, like, it was a multiple choice. Yeah. And I was like, I just listened for the, um, for the, per- for the word that was in the answer. 
for the person that like when the <laughs> person was speaking Spanish and they said the word that was in the answer, I circled that answer. <laughs> That's funny. So and, you, and did, like, you didn't really those... know the answer. You were just no. looking for clues. Exactly. Absolutely. And yeah. it, and it, and then the other. I mean, and then I got to college too, and I had so many like I'd been taught so many like tips and tricks about studying and classes and stuff like that that I did really well in college, even though. I, it was only because like I, I had get, been given so many skills um, in terms of like if you listen to what the professor talked about, that's what you had to study. You didn't have to study the entire chapter, right? You had to just yeah. study what they were talking about. So it was that. But, but it was also the same kind of things where when I was in like fifth grade, all the standardized tests, right? I did horrible on anything but like the visual stuff, like, uh, I don't know if they had this everywhere else or whatever, but they, there was these part of the standardized testing was like, if you fold a piece of paper, hundred percent, four ways and you punch it, you know, (laughs) you do like a hole punch. What is it? What does it look like when you open up the paper? Yeah. I was like off the charts on that kind of stuff. And I always did well. I remember these, these tests, like, I don't know what, I guess they were aptitude, spatial awareness. I don't even know what the hell they were, but there was a test that I remember taking over and over. And part of the test was, this is the shape. Which one of these is it unfolded? Did you ever take that? (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, we're all from New York state. I don't know why Mm -hmm. I had to take that test like five times. And I I always ace that every single time. I'm like, oh, that's obviously that piece. It's obviously that shape. And uh, I always did well on that. But when it came to numbers and spelling, I was just like, the way with spelling, I always said, it's like, how, how many numbers can you memorize? How many phone numbers can you memorize? Because to me, spelling is just memorizing phone numbers. It's just memorizing a sequence of things. And if you can't memorize it, but other people are like, sound it out. I'm like, I can't sound no. it out because it sounds like seven different choices to me. If I just sound it out, <laughs> is it a C? Is it an S? Is it a CH? Is it a I, – I don't know. I, I don't it's, know. It's so true though. But it, but you know what it is? Is like there there's a there's a like uh, um, like a thing that is actually like tangible. Like this makes sense to us, right? It, right. It's a structure thing, right? So like um, – even so even like when i went to i I actually got good at like some kinds of math but it was the kind of math where it was almost like a project it was like uh there was a structure to the formula or the equation it wasn't about the numbers as much as it became like a building structure like if i understood the building the structure of these equations i could get it Mm -hmm. i don't know if that makes sense but yeah yeah like i use like uh like Every day of the month has a certain color, uh, like a series right. of math equations becomes visual blocks and you literally like images yeah, exactly. of blocks. It, it becomes yeah. a visual thing in your head versus a, versus the numbers or the theory behind it. I didn't yeah. ever, I could I mean, never understand the a, theory behind it, but I, I have this, gave me, yeah. I, I have this like vague imagery of like the month, I'm sorry, of the week, mm-hmm. even the month, like what mm-hmm. it looks like. I can't really draw it, but in my mind, I'm like, when I'm you at like it. Wednesday or a Thursday, there's like a sand dooney imagery shape in my mind of like what <laughs> so that funny. shape of the week looks like, but what that part of the week looks like in well, shape. Everything's and, a pic. Everything's almost like a picture, right? Yeah. It's like 
And yeah. what's, what's interesting is there's been this movement, uh, particularly recently, to kind of break down the difference between like a visual learner and like, um, I forget what the opposite of a visual learner is, but they basically will say up and down that there's no such thing as a visual learner. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I know a lot of visual learners. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't, maybe it's, maybe it's not the, the way we've come to understand that that's the way our mind works, but I do think there is definitely something to people who, you know, I learn better. I'm very good at listening and learning, but I'm also much, 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 much better. If I can see something in front of me, I can yeah. understand it like in half the time. I know I'm, well, I'm that, about to tackle Fusion 360. And, and that's part of how my videos, that, that's yeah. the genesis of my mm-hmm. videos is because I was sick of people. I, I don't love videos when people ex- over explain stuff or even mm-hmm. explain it. I'm like, just show it to me. I'll, 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 that's, I'll, I'll reverse engineer it. I don't your know. illustrator you. tutorials to me are the best example of the way you learn compared to the way normal people learn because <laughs> you, you don't teach illustrator the way I've seen illustrator taught a million different times. Okay. You know, I, I've noticed, and I'm not saying this is a knock. You yeah. get, you know, you'll, you'll just get tool names wrong or, but yeah. you'll, you're, right. it's like, you're the important part for you is to show the process. It's like, right. this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it. Right. And you know, you may call a tool the wrong thing, but it doesn't matter what you right. call it. Right. <laughs> what any of it's called. <laughs> exactly. And I'm watching it going, well, I got the name wrong, but damn, that's a cool way to do it. I didn't even think of that. Like as someone who knows Illustrator really, really well, I watch you, I watch your tutorials and I always manage to pick something up. It's like, okay, I just have to translate from Jim Glish to English and that's fine. I do that. But, you I know, that. the way you teach Illustrator is like, yeah. I can imagine someone who's, you know, not wonky and doesn't like jargon can right. pick up Illustrator right. and go, oh yeah, I can learn it from this. And, it's, it was the same thing when you did the, the 3D printer and you know, what you did with Fusion. And the, every time you pick up a machine, there's no there's no BS around it. It's just, right. oh, I'm going to show you how, to, how I use this and how this works. And that's it. You know, you guys take it and run with it if you want. It's, it's amazing that you're able to do that and translate all this craziness but, into something that the average person can really digest. But, but, I th- but that's I, – I think it's – important that you do do that because i think there's uh, so many of us i'm the same way like i can't well vincent remember when i sent you my i sent so i jimmy i sent vincent my logo i made a oh my God. i needed an svg file to get stickers made for mm-hmm. the second year of WorkbenchCon. i was like i have to have stickers when i go to WorkbenchCon, and so i i got affinity designer and i like made my logo into an svg file and i got stickers made and i sent it to vincent and he was just like it was. It's amazing how well you made this without knowing how to do anything. <laughs> You're just looking at, you look at something like you, I know. I imagine you could probably do it with like somebody's like woodwork or their welding. You look at it and you go, "Well, you got it done. Like you that's done. impressive. You got it done. Like you had no idea what you were doing, and you still oh. got it done. Good on you." <laughs> Isn't it crazy, Ethan? Uh, sorry, Vincent. When you get an Illustrator file from like a, a an advertising client or somebody. And you open it up and you're like, how the hell did they get here? There's about <laughs> there's a file exactly. that for lack of a better term, there's a file that should weigh about two ounces, but it weighs about eighteen pounds. <laughs> and well, I, I love when people just like re, rename a PDF file and they just put dot SVG and they send it and they're like, mm-hmm. Does that work? So Jimmy, well, I, I, I don't understand how like sometimes like okay, I just want to grab this vector. I'm like, why can I? Why why is this a, a compound curve? This doesn't need to be a compound curve. Why is the entire thing locked into one bunch of outlines? I don't understand how they got cer- here. 
you get a circle or a curved line with like 700 control points on it because they just drew it in Photoshop, brought it in and traced it. And it's like, oh, wow, you really didn't do this at all. Like this is just you just you know did what, the best. What's you could. funny, I get files from these from the liquor companies from sometimes to time mm-hmm. and they'll send me and I'll, I'll need the file to do a CNC path because I'm oh, going to do a sign or something. Oh, and I get the file from the artwork department that's, you know, taking care of whatever this brand is. It might be this new liquor brand. I'm working with the wine company for the trailer. And it's, it's image mask over a solid color over, <laughs> over his <laughs> clipping paths all over the place. And, it's and like- I'm like, and all it is is just an image. And then in many cases, what I'll do is I'll just blow it up as big as I can on the screen, do a screen grab, bring it in, line trace it, delete the background, then I have what I need. You have you almost have to do that, right? And, yeah. and that's that's the crazy part. Like, I'm not going to lie. Three years ago, that was me, right? Mm-hmm. But I had to learn on the job. It was like, no, you better learn how to do this because you're making product packaging. You got to get this right. And you learn right. real quick. But I think one of the coolest things about you know digital fab and all the stuff that people are doing now is – I know how to make something in Illustrator that'll work on the laser, that'll work right. on the CNC. 100%. You know, whereas some, even if you're a graphic a print artist, you don't know that. Exactly. Print mm-hmm. artists are just like, well, if we're covering that up, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Yeah, how many times you have like just big blocks of white yes. covering up something that they did a clip art of and they're just like, oh, we don't need that. We'll just cover it. Well, you know, Ethan, no offense, but that's that's what Ethan's oh, logo yeah. was. And I was like, yeah. I had no idea. Like I looked at the file. I'm like, why can't I select the Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, exactly. This is clever. Like, and I looked at him. Like, I was marveling at the engineering that came right, out of the, him the, trying the to work arounds, right? Like the way I got around it. But I always go right into wireframe just to see like what mess they made of it. So I just <laughs> literally just learned to start doing that about a month ago. Command like, to really just look at like I always knew wireframe. I even know the key. It's why everybody knows why for wireframe is very easy. But why? Why do you use wireframe? Right? I think that's why it's the why key because you're hitting. You go. Why am I hitting this? I don't know. But <laughs> now funny. I understand. Like it's like oh okay. So you when you combine those paths, you can see the outlines that's separating everything and yeah. all these little things that you just don't learn up front you know you yeah. make something that looks good and you put it in your software for your cnc and it's like oh crap what what is it even doing i don't i don't you want to know a funny I'm story doing this project when i was first working for bullet this is in 2014 2013 they when i was first doing some files for them on my my brand new cnc machine for the first time i was cncing they always sent me this one bullet bourbon file and it was always missing all the floating parts of like the B and uh, uh, E-T, like anytime. Oh, it would say bullet frontier whiskey and the word frontier. Mm-hmm. All uh, the internal any, circles basically. Uh, all missing. And yeah. I'm like, you guys know, like and it wasn't in the file that I had. I'm like, guys, this is the, the, the middle. They're like, oh, that's the approved logo. I'm like, it's how can it be approved when the font is wrong? It's missing the inside of the, uh, anytime there's a little float, like the O's and Mm -hmm. the A's and the B's, I go, it's missing all the parts. And it wasn't in the logo itself. It was in the subtext. It's a frontier whiskey of Mm -hmm. such and such. And they go, hmm. You see this? This is supposed to be uh, an O with the middle of the O in it. Do you really want me to drop that out? I go, it doesn't, it looks like it's missing. I go somewhere along the way, somebody picked and copy and pasted this art and didn't pick up the middles of the letters. And then now I've gotten it for the 50th time. Every time they've given it to me, it's missing. You know, they give it to me with various combinations of other artwork. And anytime they gave it to anybody else. And I said, am I, am I the only person that's ever told you that it's missing all these parts? 
Like, <laughs> How yeah. did you get this far? I've well, done that with other designers. Like, because um, uh, one of the things, you know, one of the things when you make product packaging for electronics, you have to have like, you know, different certifications and different logos and whatever. And some companies have, like, I'm working with a major national retailer and they have their own icon set. And I'll get the, I'll, I'll go to their design guys and I'll be like, hey, I need the icon set for, you know, for speakers. And they'll be like, okay, no problem. And I'll get one PNG file with a bunch of circular icons in it. And it's like, okay, here you go. Use that on the packaging. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, You got to break it up. You got to turn it into vectors and then break it up. Yeah. Has no one ever asked for this? Like, how are you functioning? Like, up to this point, you can't work. I can't work on product packaging scale with a PNG file. Like, (laughs) right, right. It's going to get What's wrong with you? What I think think is so funny. And then you do it. Okay, I was gonna say, then you do it with the stuff, and they look at it and go, "Can we sharpen that up?" No, <laughs> right? <laughs> no. Give me a better version of it. <laughs> yeah, really. But what I was that- gonna say though is like, it's just so funny that how much the, like this community knows about all of this stuff mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. the like the person in charge of this stuff at the company has zero idea about both yeah. both from like that kind of stuff but also from the social like media stuff, all that, like it is amazing how much we know. And you know, it reminds me of, um, so Jamie, we had uh, David Chudo on right, like kind of at the beginning of the pandemic. And we were talking about how like all the night, like late night shows and stuff like that, where they're all doing it from their home or whatever. I was like, we all like, like me, like minuscule me has better like filming equipment and better ability to do <laughs> and then Seth Meyer. Yeah, then yeah. Seth Meyer. Exactly. Right. right. <laughs> like, it's just funny that we, cause we None of them all gather these skills. None of them could figure out Skype or remotely recording a radio show. And like there's 45,000 podcasters sticking needles in their ears going, I can't listen to this anymore. Like this mm-hmm. is the worst thing ever. I can't hear this anymore. Yeah, <laughs> right. we, we're all every, you know, it's funny. Amateur, you know, makers are, we all can, most of us consider ourselves amateurs or beginners or, you know, unprofessional, whatever. But we do have a skill set that, like I said earlier, we do take it for granted. You know, we, all know how to i mean for the most part we all know how to make a podcast or at least how to make a decent audio file most of us show up for a podcast (laughs) that's all that matters buddy (laughs) i don't but you know you 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 have you know you have your video makers you have your you have your photographers that do product photography that blows the doors off stuff that you see in catalogs and magazines and it's like we all do this stuff and we don't even think twice about it anymore right that's our skill set you know this I was going to say, the TV show that I did years ago called Dirty Money, where I shot in my basement in New York City, but it was a full-on production company, worked for Discovery Channel. And I always stayed in touch with the director. And Ronnie and I talking recently, about 10 months ago, about a year ago, and he says, he goes, dude, can I ask you a question? I'm like, yeah. He goes, how many cameramen do you have when you shoot your YouTube videos? <laughs> That's go, what amazing. are you talking about? I go, it's just me. He goes, you just work alone? I go, yeah. He goes, how do you have like 10 angles of the same thing you do? I go, I work for five minutes. I stop. I move the tripod. I work for five minutes. I stop. I move the tripod. I work for five minutes. I stop. He goes, wow. I'm like, you're a filmmaker. Right. Why are you asking me such a dumb question? Because they don't, they, they don't they've know. never experienced that. They've right? never like, had to. See, the thing is a lot of people that they don't, they don't realize how 
creative you get around. I love one of the things that you always talk about is give yourself a constraint and then work around it. Cause that's mm-hmm. when the creativity comes out. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the, that's kind of it in a nutshell, right? We're yeah, not creative. having a cameraman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So we're creative. Like a lot of guys, a lot of guys have two or three cameras that they just point and they're just running and they do a, some kind of synchronization move at the beginning. Either they clap or they say something and they just run film. They just run film, run film, run film. When that, they need to that, change angles and oh editing, my God. they makes, just change it. That, that's that's a nightmare of like – Of editing? Of editing, of oh weight. My God. Of, yes. I just – so people always say how long does it take you – if I shoot it tight, like I'll shoot a quick movie like the like uh, the catapult last week. Mm-hmm. That was a quick, quick shooting and I just know what I need as I'm shooting. Yep. And then I just drag it all on the timeline, and then I fix it up with a voiceover because it was a quickie. Um, but we when I was it. doing like the safe door or even the basement door a couple weeks ago, I know exactly. I just like I just shoot for a few minutes, stop. Okay, this is getting redundant. There was a couple things in the safe door that were overly redundant, but I just felt like I needed them, so I kind of left them in. At one point, it got a little got a little uh, lazy in the middle of the edit or a little <laughs> slaggy. But <laughs> for the most part, I just drag everything in and then clip a little bit of the beginning and end of each clip because I Ooh, know exactly right, what you got the jerkiness at well, the beginning. Right. Yeah. A, people have started. I mean. You know, you want to talk about inspiring people. I mean, when people do a quick time-lapse video with no VO and, you know, just sped up shop sounds even, usually not even music, they call it a Duresta style video. I mean, you <laughs> created a style of videos in what you do. It's with classic Duresta. <laughs> I, I, I get very lucky because, because of my learning disability and my impatientness and everything else. I was just like, I just want to make videos – and then I got a I got a copyright strike early on. I did a video that had a, a Beastie Boys song, and I knew nothing about copyright strikes. And, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, you can't have that." I'm like, "We're going to just turn the the monetization off." I was like, "Okay, whatever." And then I just put it out again, without without the sound, without the audio, without the mm-hmm. music. And I was like, "That's it. I just won't put music on anything." You can, and I just didn't yeah. put music on anything because I was too afraid. I was even afraid to use when you go into YouTube Studio. It's like you got to put this exact sentence. You know, mm-hmm, right. now more and more of them don't. They just say, "Just use it." You don't have to put a sentence. And so, uh, any music I use, become, I use audio has become your trademark now. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> most of it was in the past. Most of it was Howard Stern in the background. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, do you, do you so ever quick, feel wait. like? Do you right. ever feel like you know you're you. Because I know, you know, when you talk about education, you were talking about how your life took a lot of different roads and whatever. Do you ever look, you ever look back and you wish you could just go back to yourself and say, just stay the course. Everything's going to be fine because, you know, you may not see where you're going now, but you're going to end up in a really good place. And, you know, well, you, I mean, I'm not, no. I'm not, I definitely don't want to kiss your butt because it's very easy to kiss your butt, right? <laughs> Thank but the you. truth is, you know, there's a reason people call you the godfather of making, right? It, it's just, you are. You, whether you want to <laughs> It or not, whether you, you're the most, you're one of the most humble people I've ever met, and well, thank it's, you. it's surprising how I, I actually said this to somebody. I said, you know, he could be a total asshole, and he's not, and that's pretty amazing. Well, like, it, it, it's we're, not. We're gonna come back to this because I have a, a dirty money, and uh, that the whole like perceived uh, whatever. We'll come back to that, but do answer you, the question first. Do you feel like? Do you feel like like? This is kind. You've kind of hit your stride because of a combination of where you were, or was this like? 
you look at it where you are now and like, yeah, I don't even know how much where I was brought me here. It was just kind of I just the well, natural you know, progression. You would have ended up here anyway. I went from making signs in high school to mm-hmm. going to architecture school at the same time. So I had the education of, of hand making signs, learning metal work early on in high school mm-hmm. uh, from these old guys. These Vietnam veterans were teaching me how to shape metal, use a metal brake, pop rivet, weld, you, you know, tap a piece of aluminum that was only an eighth of an inch thick. I remember we had to do hundreds of these signs where the letters were only one eighth of an inch thick. And we had to tap halfway in with a flat bottom tap and then put a screw from behind only halfway. So a 16th, like about three sixteenths or a 16th of an inch or something like that. So these type of like precision handmade kind of like crafty things. Mm -hmm. And I had an acumen for it. So these guys let me do a lot of this stuff at the sign shop and they cultivated my skill set. And so all these things, and then I got into art school and then I started getting into 3D illustration and then I got into toy inventing then I got into machine shops I saw tools being made in China so all of this stuff and I just always I always knew the more that I knew uh, the more the more MacGyvery I could be <laughs> you know in a way it's like I could always just figure it out and I and I saw a lot of times you see a lot of this like stall tactic in Hong Kong where you're at a you're in a toy room in a toy meeting and you know, you're like, uh, can we um, can we modify this? And they get on the phone. They're like, yeah, let's call the tool room. Let's call. I'm like, does anybody have a razor and a lighter? Can we? You know? and like, <laughs> we don't need to like wait another day to do this. We could do this right now. You got scotch tape. You got blue tack. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, there. That's that's the action we want. By the way, so, consumer electronics, Jimmy, exactly the same way. Like yeah. you, you, you get your, you get the samples. They send you the samples. They overnight them DHL. You get the sample and you go, this sucks. Can we do this? We need to fix this. Okay, let me get in touch with the team that does that. We'll yeah. get, we'll, it's like we'll, the team that does that. Can somebody send me a thumb drive or even a file? I'll just, you know, do I'm we need it. to reprogram everything from day one? Yeah. It's, right. it's, so it's, I was getting into a lot of that just because of time and – and then, you know, it's funny because YouTube has brought it all together for me. And I've said this in the past, but all the various skill sets I've been I've been experiencing my entire life have all come together. Uh, like when I built, for lack of a better uh, example, I when I built the little tiny tool shed for Lowe's a couple of years ago in my backyard, mm-hmm. I was remembering all the architecture stuff. I don't really like doing construction. Uh, this porch build, I'm remembering mm-hmm. like the 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 order of operations of what happens on top of what and this all for my architecture class because we learned framing and all construction techniques that's 35 years ago i got that instruction and it's coming back now and uh are you ever surprised with what sticks with you like as you as you get further along as you create distance between things you never you haven't done in a long time and things you do now are you ever surprised like i can't believe i remember that <laughs> well, that, that's cool you know you ever hear these these people that could remember exactly the weather on a day you just name a day they remember the weather what they ate that you know the, these extreme <laughs> examples of people that have extreme memory and I can't remember yesterday, but yeah. <laughs> well, I have that with like skills. Yeah. And so yeah. anytime I do something, I remember the moment I thought of it, where I mm-hmm. thought of it, you know, who taught it to me or where I saw it and I picked it up visually. Uh, and I re- today I on my Instagram, I plotted this curve and I showed it on it. It won't even be in the video, but it's on Instagram. And um I remember we had this crazy shape inside of a closet when I was doing construction in high school and nobody knew how to get that shape. And I was like, and I immediately said, I go, hmm, 
from my architecture class, if we draw a grid and I just plot the points along the grid. So I drew a grid inside the closet every two inches and then I drew the grid and then I came out and I cut a piece of wood on the grid and I brought it back in and it fit perfect. And everybody was amazed. Like, Oh my God, how did you know that? I'm like, I don't know. This is kind of something similar we did on graph paper. And it's just things you pick up along the way. And I like that's, that's kind of the And I did that today. And I'm saying that. Right. Exactly. Right. You talked Something about that. Thirty years You talked ago. about that um, once when you were talking about, and it kind of, it, you know, one of the things that you've said that really stuck with me was the idea that you should always walk around like ready to receive ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, like the idea of you know driving home, take a different route home, and see what mm-hmm. you see, or yeah. or well, pay enough attention that when you are driving home on usual route, you'll notice that a car moved, <laughs> like it's stuff like right. that. <laughs> right. it's, it's weird how much it's like. There there was a study done a long time ago that was they wired they wired a bunch of electrodes to people's brains as they were grocery shopping because they wanted to know how there's not a lot of cart collisions in grocery stores and what they found out is like as you're walking through the grocery store pushing the wagon it's a different part of your brain takes over it's not even subconscious it's just this deep-rooted awareness of the aisle spatial awareness to not hit somebody where you can basically walk an aisle one into the other have no idea how you got there and still not hit anybody mm-hmm. and it's kind mm-hmm. of the same thing with creative skills for you you know you you kind of see stuff and it's like yes i've absorbed that you know you're like the rogue of creative skills <laughs> you, you know it's funny today i was in the supermarket so i go to this lumber yard and i, I somebody joked with me tonight they said this trailer should be sponsored by pl glue because there's a million pounds of polyethylene glue in this thing <laughs> so i had to go get like five more tubes of pl glue and uh so i said oh let me go into the supermarket and it's a supermarket i don't usually go into but i wanted to go in to just get some cold cuts just to snack in the car and drive home and I, the second I got in the store, I was like, okay, this isn't a story I ever going, but let me just, in my mind, do like the Terminator mask over my <laughs> my map, mask the map of the story, always go into a tailor and the one, the shop right in Hudson and then the the, uh, the Hannaford's over in Cairo. And I'm like masking these like four layouts in so my funny. mind. And I'm like, okay, there should be peanuts over here. Oh, there they are. And there should be, the cold cuts should be over here, but then the the, the milk and the, the drink section should be over here. And I'm like, and I was kind of vaguely right, but just thinking instead of having, Instead of having to ask anybody where anything was, I just was like, I Mapped did like a, a cumulative average of all the other shops I had been in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's so, a forty percent chance there's bagels in this aisle. I'm gonna exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, Jimmy, one of the one of my favorite things that you always talk about is like your inspiration walks and drives, like with mm-hmm. Taylor or by yourself. And I, I always, I'm always, I always kind of ask myself what when you talk about those, like it. Is there like a particular project or idea that you can remember that directly came from those? That's a or good is it question. kind of just truly just kind of like general inspiration or is there something that comes like directly out of that that you can remember? Well, there's, there is a Taylor and I are working on a project right now. We, we just keep verbally con- con- conceiving it. We haven't actually put any pen to paper. Taylor's really good at fusion. She's gotten very good at fusion in the last couple of years and we went on an inspiration walk a couple of weeks ago in Hudson. We spent a lot of time in Hudson on Main Street in Hudson. There's lots of design shops. And in there, we walked past an antique shop. And they have these like vintage, crazy antiques from like 100 years ago. This beautiful chair, oak frame, typical style chair, but with a big leathery like hide seat and a big leathery hide back with like big grommet nails. You know, something you would see, you know, it's mm-hmm. right. Kind of like a craftsman style, but even a little bit more art, art like a little bit more like 
like medieval looking than that. Yeah. But, but very practical chair with like hide leather, almost like shoe sole leather. It's so thick. And I said, let's make 10 of those for the dining room or, five, or eight of those. I go, let's make eight of those for the dining room. Awesome. I go, you design it up. You design up the Illustrator file or the uh, you, you design it in Fusion. Then give me the vectors and we'll see and see all the legs and I'll do all the joinery probably with uh, you know, the XL Domino. I'll come up with something. And I go, that would be a great video. And we're going to end up with eight beautiful chairs that we both right. made together. You know, and any little mods we want to do because it's going to be new. Let's come up with, you know, any kind of little, we could bring it our, our own. And that's us copying a chair that was probably made a hundred years ago or more. That you saw walking down the street. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to be a video that's coming up. And that was, that was direct. Like the minute we walked in, so I'm like, we need eight of those for the dining room. Awesome. But you, what, what's, in, I'm guessing is, is that it won't be the chair that you saw, right? It's, no, well, it's gonna I be mean, your it, own. It, it'll be our own version of it with just some subtleties. Right. You know, maybe the leather, right. maybe we'll, we'll etch the leather. I mean, Taylor likes these repetitive patterns sometimes, but she doesn't really show it in her finished work that she sells. But, you know, kind of like, um, you know, is it, I wish I could remember his name, Copper Pig. You know, Copper Pig works. Copper Pig. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, he does all these beautiful, like, geometric he, patterns. I, I actually, he, yeah, it was on my, he showed up on my Instagram feed today. Actually, yeah, ironically, he does so. Like, maybe we do like a little, like, uh, and yeah. even uh, I think it's at Run CNC. Uh, Nick, Nick does, uh, he just did like his Run credit CNC card with an this, awesome account. He, he did like this, um, CNC pattern on his mm-hmm. on the Apple card, Apple, on the Apple card, yeah, and, which is and, cool because it's anodized, it's anodized, yeah. so he's just taking off the paint. It's brilliant. I never thought to do that with mine. I'm like, <laughs> I want to do that now. Copper yeah, pig, like, fine, copper pig, fine word working. Right. And him, they both yeah. use a similar like mathematical pattern. Like, so when we do our leather, maybe we'll imprint something in it. Maybe, That's uh, a cool idea. You know, yeah. maybe we'll make something and put it under the fly press and, you know, put a couple details in the leather or something. You know, you lived, you lived essentially, I mean, your shop was on, I think it was on the Lower East Side, your, your original shop in the city? Yeah, Lower or, East Side, 2nd Street and Avenue B. Yeah, so you were on the Lower East Side, you move, you take all your stuff, and you move, I mean, I think I'm far north, and you're like an hour and a half north of me, and <laughs> at some point somebody had to go, are you out of your friggin' mind going up there? Like, <laughs> well, I've been in this house sixteen. Oh, the artistic oh. center of the world. Well, you know what it yeah, was. And- I got. I just got. I got. I hope my neighbors don't listen to this. I just got like. I just. You live in in, in a neighborhood. You, there's so many people that are like super creative, super, super, super creative. But then you got people. I kind of got like a little bit of this victim of like, I, I became victim of this, like my neighbors being like, Oh, I see. Oh, I see what you're doing on YouTube. That's pretty interesting. Oh no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Huh? Wow. You know, so mm-hmm. like people think I'm rich so that like I was in this middle right. income building. So my, a lot of my, even one of my neighbors tried to get me in trouble. They wrote to like the this, city this saying like, he's rich. He doesn't belong in this building. He shouldn't be in this. Cause I was, I was in this middle income building for like 20 years. And I moved out of it. Ultimately, I gave up the apartment. But I just kind of got sick of the grind. And, you know, I love a lot of my neighbors, but I don't love a lot of my neighbors. And, like, every right. day it's like, hey, can you sand the dresser for me? Can I, <laughs> if I just bring a dresser over, can you just sand the top of it for me? It'll only take you like an hour. And I'm like, 
No. You've got the tools. I mean, come on. Right. I'll pay you. I'm like, no. <laughs> no. no. I don't want to do You're not going to pay me as much as Carolina shoes. No. For me, it was the same thing. Like, I just living in the city, I didn't realize how much I hated living in the city until I stopped living in the city. And it's like, yeah. oh, and then, man. you know, the biggest problem is just like, you want to think, and you, there's so many distractions. I can't. Yeah. I can't just go to the hardware store and come right back with the nut and bolt that I need. I have to stop and talk it's to 15 process. people <laughs> and then I get distracted and then there's a car accident and I got to take pictures of the car accident. And then, you then gotta, there's a, I mean, you know, so there's the overstimulation that you want and then there's the overstimulation that you don't want. So there's like a little bit of all of it too much. And I bought this house 16, 17 years ago. I had this house before YouTube and you know, I had my girlfriend before YouTube. <laughs> We've been together all everything before YouTube. So a lot of people think that I got rich and moved upstate because I got money to buy a house. I've always had this house. Bought and, a house. You got a girlfriend. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and it, it, it was all there before, <laughs> but it did afford me the uh, the ability to not work for people in the city. And I stayed yeah. in the city because all my interior design clients were in apartments, all my uh, restaurant clients were in apartments. And then as I started making more money with content, I was like, I don't need to be here anymore. I don't need to you know, Dude. get up at five in the morning to go buy a truck full of plywood. So- that's what I was going to ask. So like in the early days of making content for you, because there are a lot of people who in the early days when they're starting their YouTube channel, they go through the slog of making content and you know, you make a video and six people watch it and you're excited because the seventh person watched it three days later mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind of rough, right? It's content creation is a slog. Was there any point at the beginning where you're like, you know, I'm just going to go back to like, I'll find no, something you know, to What's do. funny is like I make, I did make, and I still make a lot of money just without youtube mm-hmm. you know like you I'm making started this... with make right you were doing stuff for make before you make is where YouTube? i kind of got my breakout audience for sure make gotcha. magazine mm-hmm. but when i started doing content creation it was really just to eventually go back onto tv because i was just going to oh. make content to like prove to the television people hey look you want to know what i'm up to you want to know what i can do just go look at my youtube channel well, that, i never that, ever that, thought i was going to make money on youtube i never well, that, that's, yeah so that uh, that kind of answers my question i one of the things i was going to ask you is i i you know i know you said that like you kind of did youtube to kind of not stick it to them but kind of to show them that you can make really good content without you know yeah without mainstream. without 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 stories, without all this right. uh, and manufactured drama, all that yeah, kind yeah. of nonsense. I used to hate but like that what, what do you think you would like? Do you what do you think you would have done if 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 YouTube didn't exist? What do you think you're like? And maybe this is not a question because it you know it, it existed, but like, what do you think you would have done had YouTube not existed at that point? Um, I don't know. I, I yeah. mean, there was, I was making videos. I didn't know what to do with them, but I mm-hmm. was making videos. I did in, in 2002. So you were making videos even before. Yeah. Like, in 2002, I made, well, I was making videos to try and pitch television shows. Okay. But if you go back early, early, early on in my YouTube, uh, uh, the sequence of my YouTube channel, you know, like earliest video, there's a thing called my left foot where I make a, a left foot chair. And that was in the basement shop when I first got it. So there was nothing in there except like a big open space. And then, you know, by the end of my YouTube tenure in that room, it was jammed full of stuff. So if you look at my left foot, that's my basement shop when I first got it in like, say, I don't even remember how long ago that was. 2020. I don't like- even remember. It was, yeah. I, so that video, I remember making it in 2003, 
I can't even remember when I got that basement shop and how my memory is going. But so it's in, in and around 2003 or 2004 when I'm in that basement making my left foot. And I made that video to show to a television person. I said, can you get me on MTV and I'll just do little interstitials of me making things really fast. That's and so funny. That was that was oh six God. years before I did my first YouTube channel, like my first YouTube. Wow. So I, when I when I first got on YouTube, I was trying to promote Hammered and a couple of other things I was doing. It wasn't until after 2011 or 2012 when I said, you know what, I'm going to use my YouTube channel to then exploit myself on an ongoing scheduled basis. Prior gotcha. to that, I was just randomly putting up old show pitches. Uh, you know, I would, I didn't even know how to make things unlisted. I would just put up, I put up show pitches. And when somebody talked to me, I'd be like, oh, go look at the video. Here's a, here's a link to the video that's on my YouTube channel now. So, so what was the switch? Like, what was the moment where you're like, I'm going to consciously use YouTube as like a vehicle? After Dirty Money in 2011. Okay. And okay. Taylor, my, my muse said, you know, you do, you spend so much time cultivating these one little pitch videos. Like I'll do like 10 versions of Dirty Money's pitch or 10 versions mm-hmm. of, of, you know, the Jimmy and John making it pitch. These are all things that are on my YouTube channel early on. And, uh, you know, like I do a version, like if you're going to do a version for Comedy Central, make sure you edit in all the jokes. You're going to do one for, for HGTV, edit, edit a version of the pitch without, uh, you know, without the curses in it, you know, without. Just do, <laughs> p- pitch something where you, you show before, after, and none of the making in between for HGTV. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Sorry, and, so, uh, and so I, I said, you know what? That's a good way. Let me, let me go on YouTube. I started looking and I saw, I found Jody. Jody had like 20,000 followers at the mm-hmm. time, or maybe more. And I remember Chucky 2009, he had like 20,000 followers. And, and I started seeing makers, and of course Matthias. I had I, w- I had been watching Matthias, not realizing like he was inspiring me. And then uh, you know I found Steve Ramsey, and, yes. and uh, you know the Wood Whisperer, and all these guys were always there. They were there, were kind of always there. And then then when I started to take a closer look at me potentially doing that, I was like, cool. And I, I didn't think anybody there was making money. I just thought they were just showing off. Well, and I, not and yeah. not not saying they were showing off, so they shouldn't no, be doing no, it. Right. Just mm-hmm. like this is their online portfolio. It right. seemed like it seemed like uh, 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 the Wood Whisperer was making money because he was like kind of a little structured, and he had like little ads placed in his stuff. And but I, I in my my heart of hearts, I knew everybody had another job, and right. I never knew that I would be able to get on it and make it my only job. That was never I, the goal. And now I, people get on it and they want to make it their only that, job. That's their goal. And right. that's where, you know, that's when they get super frustrated. And, and that's also right. where they, that's well, what I, I, I've noticed that the people that, that, that talk about burnout the most are the ones that did exactly that. They got into YouTube. They pushed super, super hard. They burned super, super hot, super, super fast and ran out of gas very quickly because mm-hmm. their goal was to hit YouTube running and make it their thing. only job. Yeah. yeah. And if you're, if you're kind of slow, the slow burn almost saves people's, you know, saves mm-hmm. people's mental health. You know, it's funny. You know, I look back in the beginning of my YouTube tenure and I think of all the things that I did. And now I have to kind of go through my iPhone pictures and be like, Oh wait, you know, Oh wait. Oh, I did this while I was on YouTube. Why didn't I film it? Oh, cause <laughs> I was a client job and now everything gets filmed. The trailer yeah. build is, is a complete client job. You know, I'm, I'm getting completely paid outside of YouTube for that. But you know, the first video did pretty well. The second video is probably going to do okay. I don't know. You know, and, and, 
what's happening now is I'm doing my videos. So I have about, I think, I don't know if me and Bob had, me and Bob and Dave had this conversation uh, publicly a couple weeks ago where we were kind of looking online to see how many, each one of, how many videos each one of us had. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know how many videos I did not know how many of my videos were public. I can't find it on my YouTube interface that says you have this oh, yeah, many videos. Yeah, yeah, Bob, like I think Bob figured it out, but yeah, he he googled yeah. us in the search engine and it said yeah. the channel. With, <laughs> so I had over five hundred and something videos, and every week I add to that, like pretty right. much once a week. But what's happening now is my videos are getting farmed and put on Facebook and I'm making Ugh. much more money on Facebook with my video really? shorts than I am on than I ever made on YouTube. So wow. crazy. Like any client video, like for instance this trailer video, it's mm-hmm. going to go on like when you have a video on YouTube that has uh, let me give you an example. So I have the the gun the Winchester video. It's at like 25 million views. Mm-hmm. It's my 25 26 million views on YouTube. They put it on the Facebook and they turn that video into like five other videos. They clip they somehow clipped it up. I work for a company that well, I'm working with a company that does this. Okay. And one of those videos has like 30 million views in the first week. Wow. And so collectively that Winchester video on Facebook gets Probably has like 200 million views. That's insane. And somehow, some way, I don't know the science behind it, but I'm getting paid for those views. And I'm making so much more money on Facebook than I ever did on YouTube. Well, so it, it, by the fact that I just keep collecting videos, right. that I, this content I just keep making. And that's why you know people are like, oh, this video isn't good enough to be on YouTube. Oh, I have like seven half-edited videos. Put it up. It, put it up. Just put it up. Just yeah, totally, totally agree. Well, it's funny. Ben Uedo always talks about like the different, like the the <laughs> difference between uh, YouTube viewers versus Facebook viewers, and mm-hmm. it's the same thing. It's like it's same thing with Instagram. I had, you know, my, the, I I I would imagine like maybe like a third of the people on Instagram subscribe to me on YouTube. Like yeah. it, the, 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 there's different viewers for every platform. And that's why I every- always said to Bob, like I, we had this conversation right. publicly. Bob is always like, I don't want to give it up. I'm like, Bob, you put a video on YouTube. It gets 300,000 views. You talk about it on Instagram. It gets 5,000 views. Right. You're not giving away right. anything. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and who's to say what's going to take off and what platform? Like, right. So it's no, there's no there's no shame and there's no downside to putting it on Facebook. And, I, and I'm not on Facebook at all. And I and I keep kicking myself for that same reason. Like, who knows what's going to take off on Facebook versus Instagram versus I, TikTok I'm being, versus. I'm being forced to learn uh, Facebook now because they're paying me. To, yeah. to beta <laughs> test reels and beta test sound bites. So right. I'm doing sound bites. And, and when they first, I'm, I said to them, I was on the phone with them for like a week while well, I was going, interfacing through my agent <laughs> trying to find where sound bites is. Now, sound bites mm-hmm. is something that isn't on everybody's because they're still beta testing it. They, they only, it's only a select, you yeah, know, no group of is, but. millions of people <laughs> have it and have access to it. Like randomly, like the guy at the, the car dealer the other day where I get my car service, he's like, hey, man, I really like what you said the other day about such and such. I'm like, where did you hear that? <laughs> did I say that again? <laughs> did I That's say that funny. in a private? I'm like, did I, have, did I say that in a private conversation? He goes, <laughs> he goes, no, you said it on Facebook. I go, where? 
because I still couldn't remember where I <laughs> right. said it. Right. I remember the thought, but I don't remember ever saying it out That's loud. So funny. Yeah. He goes, no, there's like this new thing on Facebook called sound bites, and you've been saying things in sound bites. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I'm getting paid to do that by Facebook. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I'm, you know, I got a schedule. I got to put out so many a month, and so I'm like. Some of them are me and Taylor just goofing off talking about our maker experiences with clients or, you know, design. And a you lot of them the, are me you alone. You should do your Walmart walks. I love the I was, Walmart okay, walks. I was just going to say that because <laughs> I don't know why I love them so much. I don't. I, like, but I love them. So. I love when, I, when, I, when I'm going through my stories on Instagram and <laughs> it's one of the Jimmy DeResta trademarks. You go to Jimmy's story and the dashes for the story are so small. They're like half periods, like just <laughs> pressed up your screen. And like, oh shit, he went to Walmart. Walmart again <laughs> and most of the time because you know if you go there late at night because I, I love that you go to Walmart at like two in the morning to buy like obscure things and yeah. lecture us about how products are packaged it's absolutely fantastic I love the Walmart content I just sit there and Thank it's you. like there's like 77 segments and I'm just I don't even I don't even put my thumb on the screen to hit the next one. Oh, I just you. hold my phone because I want to watch all of it. It's just hysterical to me. It's like, I try Whoa. also like I don't make the segments as long as they are. Like if, what do they give you? 15 seconds 15 each? 15 seconds, yeah. I, yeah, I just like if it's three seconds, I just go to the next. You know what I mean? So I'm not <laughs> filling up my time to make it fast. But that all started years ago when me and David Welder, my first assistant that I was on YouTube with, David Welder and I were driving to Atlanta to one of the events, you know, one of the woodworking shows and we stopped in Walmart and just started walking up and down aisles goofing <laughs> off and like I was doing product reviews and we having a fun it wasn't even on Instagram it was on Snapchat at the time and everybody was loving it and it's so fun. I it's just started just doing it with Taylor and the funny thing is when we're in Walmart Taylor's uninhibited anywhere else she's like don't put the camera on me I don't want to <laughs> it, it, you're, it, you're, you're, you're so funny it. though that I totally noticed that like that's when that's when you see Taylor is in yeah. Walmart right yeah. <laughs> anywhere well, else you just not want to be involved that's your so use funny. of Instagram your use of Instagram is very clever because your YouTube channel is as much as you kind of say it, it it is very structured it's very mm -hmm. you know regimented there's a you know there's a video. Your videos are shot a certain way, and with the Looney Tunes exit, everything's done. Okay, but your inst your Instagram is like there's all these beautiful photos of everything, and your stories like your stories are just amazing. Like there, it's it's a combination of behind the scenes stuff and stuff that just doesn't really fit anywhere else, and just you goofing off, you hang out. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone into your stories and I've seen Rob in there, and I'm just cracking up. I'm like, I know that guy. Like. <laughs> Any stories? What the hell's going on over here? But you know what I think it is too, Vincent. It's it's the same thing with podcasts. I think the way that you use your Instagram is the same benefit that you get from like from podcasts, where people actually get to know you, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because uh, it's from videos and stuff like that. People kind of get to know you, but they don't really. And that's understandable. But that's yeah. why people, I think, people really resonate with podcasts. And yeah. Um, and I think that's the same thing with your, your with your Instagram. But it's it's funny, and that, that this goes back to that my the story I was going to tell. So the I, so I found out about you, Jimmy, from mm -hmm. um, I was my radio broke in my car, and so I started listening to podcasts, and I came across uh, the If You Build It podcast, which no longer exists, but uh, Mikey the Maker. Do you oh yeah, him? yeah, and and Kyle Summonhorse, who, who I know you definitely know, yeah. and. They, so I was, I, so I just stumbled across their pot. This was before I knew about the maker community at all. And, and oh, wow. actually, yeah, Mikey, Mikey was, their podcast was what got introduced me to the maker community, which oh, that's is amazing. amazing. Yeah. Wow. And, that's cool. 
So I was listening to him and, uh, and so, well, so one of their episodes was about Instagram and whatever. And I was always a tinkerer and always a maker and everything like that. And they were talking about Instagram and the maker community. And that's how I got involved in it. But anyways, they were, Mikey was talking about, uh, meeting you. I think, I think he was talking about meeting you at the first workbench con. That's right. Yeah. He was such a gentleman. He was a, kind of like my, he was like my escort cause he was working yeah. for the show and he's like, let me show you where you're going to talk. Let me show you where your room is. He was amazing. He's, he's, he was like, he's such a great guy and Kyle's also amazing. And, um, so, but anyways, um, but so I remember him talking about you on the podcast and I was like, so I got to work after my commute and I Googled you and the, the picture that came up was like, it was like some promotional picture from dirty money or hammered or something like that. And I just remember being like, he looks so like tough and intimidating. I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, I was like, I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, he looks really like tough. And then, and then I heard about the making it podcast. And I listened to making it podcast. And I was like, oh my god, Jimmy is sounds like the sweetest guy in the world. Like <laughs> it was like such a it was such a like night and day experience for me because I thought my image of you from that one image. That's funny. I wonder what picture that was. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I tried to Google it tonight and try to find it. I couldn't find it, but it was like it was like. <laughs> I don't know. It was just, it was just such a juxtaposition of like what my you know what I envisioned you in my head versus the person that you are from the podcast. <laughs> well, now was, we have uh, to. It really it always cracks me up every time I think about that. But. Now we have to do our Duresta origin story since you just did yours. So, and <laughs> I, I, I remember because and this ties into something you say a lot, which is really really funny because that's exactly how I found you. So, I used to watch a ton of YouTube, a ton of mm-hmm. YouTube, an, uh, an unnatural, a normal amount. And that's how I discovered Bob. Um, and Bob is actually, I always say this, I've said it, I said it to him directly at, at Maker Fair. I said it when he was on this show that Bob is one of the main reasons that I'm doing any making at all. He got me to get off the couch, which was all he needed to do, but he just inspired me to do so much. Right, Bob and Laura Comf were two of the first people I followed, right? Mm. And they both had your name on their wall. And I couldn't right. understand. Everyone, every, t- every, every maker <laughs> I started watching, I would see Duresta. Dur- what the hell is Duresta? What, what, is is, Duresta? what tool company is that? Right? <laughs> exactly. Like they make tools, they make clothes, are they like a merch company? Like what is a Duresta? So one day I finally said, all right, I'm going to figure out what the hell a Duresta is. And I, you know, I kind of put it aside, but I didn't get to it. And then Bob mentioned that you and him and David were doing a podcast. And I'm like, oh, it's a, okay, Jimmy Duresta. Okay, let me look up Jimmy Duresta. And what was the first video I found of yours? It was you doing Brock Lesnar's chest tattoo as a sword. (laughs) And why did I, I think about that all the time because you always mention how if you ever need to get your subscriber numbers up, you just make a knife. Yeah. well, hell, that's how I found them. So I guess it works. That's funny. That's funny. funny. I've never heard that story. Yeah. That's really funny. See, that's the power of branding, which is why I just put my thing because, you know, now to, I, thank God for this company called Jelly Smack that's putting all my or my original content back onto Facebook. But so much of it was knocked off on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Even it, even the my Jelly Smack account, my my Facebook account that Jelly Smack controls, that that whole thing got completely duplicated. And I said to guys, I'm like, guys, is this is this our account or is this somebody? And they're like, hold on a minute, let's research this. And they came back and they're like, no, no, it's a completely duplicate account. So. 
before all that, when people were sending me little, ran- like I said this somewhere, randomly my videos would show up like on some like gun Facebook page, you know, and, and like there'd be Arabic fa- typeface across the front of it. I don't know what it said. You know, everything <laughs> and it's like really horrible. It's been like recopied a thousand times. And uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's my video that I made eight years ago. Oh, wow. And so, uh, but hey, oh, there's my logo. That's, I don't care where it goes now, as long as my logo's in there. <laughs> You know, because someone's going to see the logo repeated four or five times and they'll be like, why does this person keep putting his logo on stuff? And then they'll find me. And then, you know, a lot of times people came back to me and they're like, hey, I, you know, just like you said, I saw your logo in the background or something. I was like, who the hell is this? I got to find yeah. out who this is. I always wondered but, that, like, why do all your tools and everything have your logo on? Then I realized how often your crap gets stolen. I'm like, exactly. well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like, if if you have your name everywhere, they can't steal your your content. It's a lot of effort. Yeah. <laughs> they can't cover then, your name up everywhere. <laughs> the straight content's like throwing confetti in the air. You know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so it, it's funny. So um, when it, the first time I – well, so the first time I met Derek, so uh, I went to the second year of WorkbenchCon and everyone was like, I was like, I live in Boston. I don't know a lot of makers in Boston. They're like, how do you not know Derek? Derek knows everybody in Boston. Like, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And, um, and then I talked to Paul Jackman, like, like the, it was at the bar the last night at like right before I was like leaving the bar and I met Paul and we talked for a couple minutes, but then Paul did a, a thing in um, Cambridge at the Rockler thing mm-hmm. and I went there and <clears throat> Derek was there and I came there and I like gave him one of my stickers and he's like Derek was like man why do you, like why, why do all these people have like good logos <laughs> like <laughs> like what the hell you know it was, it was one of those kind of things was like that was like his first like response to my sticker and I loved it I loved Derek from that moment on I was like that's brilliant it was like hilarious but it was just like but it, but you're but you're totally right it was the same kind of I guess what I'm saying is like a a logo or whatever can have like really impactful yeah. like memorable experience and that's important and and you yeah. should brand your stuff and like everyone in my if you watch any one of my Instagram videos I'm not ashamed of it like I have a, my logo in the background on my workbench because why not? Like Damn, no one can steal this, it, you know. And you know where we have our online identity, guys that aren't really exploiting their logos. You know, well, like for instance, Ben Ueda. I don't even think Ben has a logo, but Ben no, is his that. logo because right. he's in every video. He's right. got abs. He's handsome. Right. You're like, who's this sexy guy <laughs> making cool, sexy stuff? So his whole brand is him. You know, yeah. in a way, yeah. and. Yeah. Uh, it, but I think it's important. It's it's important to have an identity, and I I always give people I urge and you know I kind of like gently urge people use your own name. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. interesting to well, come up with like right. you know you guys both use your own name in your mm-hmm. in your branding. I I think it's important because then nobody could take your name, but people can. Take yeah. your yeah, you know, but it's you know, it all depends on what your goals. Like Bob has, I like to make stuff, but he well, does he wants not want to be. He wants to build. He wanted a company. He wants a, that, he, wants a yeah. uh, he wants a business. He wants a yep. something that's bigger than him, right. which I respect as well. Like yeah, that's what he wants, and, and, and that's it, what he's doing. And it doesn't. I mean, and I don't. It doesn't. For me, it doesn't come from a place of like I'm so like arrogant or proud of myself no. that it has to be my name. It's just well, I'm. Also, just kind of lazy, but um, <laughs> well, no, it's actually funny. So, I, yeah, Jimmy, you've worked with the uh, Make Forty Eight crew, right? Yeah. 
so I just I just did an interview with them a couple weeks ago, and their last their last question was like, "What would you if you had a team? What would your team name be?" And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm horrible at that." I was like, "Yeah, I'm horrible at like if you look at like my brand and my channel and all that, it's based off my name. Like I can't come up with a funny a creative name, so I'm just gonna go with my name." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, look. That's that's. I mean, here's here's the thing, right? My brand, my my original logo was actually a brand. I mean, a literal brand. I was going to make a brass brand with my original logo. It was designed to be burned into stuff that I made, and I just mm-hmm. kind of liked it. It kind of stuck around. But then, as I evolved, as I evolved, and as a maker, and I kind of developed a style that I liked, I changed my logo. I changed, mm-hmm. but the, the name of the company stayed the same. But the logo changed, right? Mm-hmm. I I think people get. I think that's interesting that you say that because using your name. Also, using your name doesn't have to it doesn't have to stay the same because it's your name for all eternity. I've seen a lot of people do some creative things with their name. I love the idea. I love the idea of people just calling themselves treating themselves like a brand but not turning themselves into like a company. You know what I mean? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's coming across as Yeah. Well, like you know what's funny? It, but- I I was I was always inspired by MTV. I mean, we're all the MTV generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. mean, Vincent, you and I are probably close in age. Ethan, you're probably a baby. But yeah, he's, he's, he's a youngin. <laughs> I have a baby face. Sure I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm the oldest. But MTV generation, that logo, I just was like, right. I was blown away every time the logo was something different. Like it was mm-hmm. a monster. Remember the one where like there was like a claymation, like he turned into like a monster. Oh my God. That was- they always did such great animations <clears throat> no, that- in, the, in the lead up to a commercial break with their yeah. logo. But, it was amazing, but, right. but it was always it, recognizable. It was their logo. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the same, same right. thing to be the same thing. <laughs> and so that's why, like in the beginning of a couple of my first videos, like I'm going to end every video with me spraying my logo. And mm-hmm, then that mm-hmm. got boring. And then I even actually kept copy and pasting the same one thing of me spraying the logo. And then I just was like, I started testing machines. I'm like, oh, let me just do my logo. And then I test another machine. I'm like, oh, let me laser cut my logo. And then just became part of the thing and it's it, kind of it, convenient because your logo is a stencil it's like at least yeah. you know it's going to burn and the center of the a isn't going to fall out of it <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know what part of my, my part of my, well one thing so people uh i don't think i don't know if i've talked about this vincent you can correct me if i'm wrong but so my mine is the e with a, a, a divider and then a backwards c ethan carter mm-hmm. and that was the original design. My brother came up with that. And it was based off of my my grandmother was an artist and she taught art for years and years and years. And uh, we found before she got married, her name was uh, Edna um, Buckby. So it was a E and then a backwards B. Mm-hmm. And then she got married and it changed. But um, so my brother took that and made my logo off of that uh, off of her logo and put the line down the middle or whatever. This was way before I came up with anything. And then it just kind of de- like by chance, if you actually look at my logo now, it's E, Ethan, backwards C, Carter. But then the backwards C and the line mm-hmm. forms the D for the designs. And that was completely unplanned, 100%. And it works perfectly. But the other thing I always wanted with a logo was something that I could I could cut out with my exacto knife that was that was what i told my brother i was like i want something that i can cut out like i want to be able to take cardstock and cut this logo out 
with an exacto knife and be able to spray paint it or um, use it to etch on things or whatever. So I don't know. every logo, every logo I've used has had the ability to be cut or burned or branded from a laser or a CNC. Because mm-hmm. that was one thing when I made this logo, I was like, I never want to make another logo again. And I want, and it, it's interesting because I wasn't, I never used to think that I was like, this looks cool. And then you go to engrave it and it's a hot mess. <laughs> and I have the first sample of the new logo when I redesigned it sitting on my workbench downstairs because I just love it so much now. And it's really, really funny to see that and go, you wouldn't have designed that. This is back to what we were talking about earlier with the stuff you learn along the way. I wouldn't have made it that way. you know a couple of years ago because i wouldn't have thought to make it work for the cnc it would have just been a cool logo that cannot be put on anything (laughs) right but why don't we get into why don't we get into our things of the week um i know jimmy's a pro at doing things of the week they just call them (laughs) recommendations on that other show that jimmy does with those other two people who have both been on the podcast by the way we now have the complete set of the making it podcast on this show which is great well, well, I, haven't, I haven't talked to Bob, so we might have to have him back on. Hey, Bob oh, you mean uh, all of us? You mean now? I see what you yep, mean. The complete yep, Bob, set. Bob was pre-Ethan. Bob was pre-Ethan. Bob was one of one of the first guests I ever had on the show before I even had a co-host, which is kind of crazy now that I think oh, about cool. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jimmy, thing of the week, my friend. You're asking me my thing of the week. I think my yep. thing of the week is Fireball Tools. Have you guys? Ah, cool. There's no Fireball Tools. Yeah, from you. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? Today's Fireball Tools, he's like got on a pair of roller skates made out of a a, uh, a wheelchair. Oh, and, wait. Oh, I, well, I don't. I haven't seen that. Oh, geez. Yeah, so and one of, them's got a, one of them's got a chainsaw motor on it. So I just wrote in the comment section, I was like, please don't hurt yourself. We need you around. <laughs> he, he didn't get up and drive away. He's like anticipating. He's building the anticipation, but – he oh, has man. on a set of roller skates made out of a wheelchair. So one wheel is super big and the other one's tiny for it balance. It looks like those old 1800s bikes. Yeah. The, 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 the penny farthing, I think it's called. The penny farthing. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he's yep. got two of those on his feet. <laughs> <laughs> this is hysterical. I'm looking at the picture Amazing. Now. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, so. I'm going to watch this the second we get off. <laughs> well, he doesn't actually, at least at least the last I noticed, he didn't demo it. It's kind of like I said, he's just building anticipation. Okay. I, I hope he wears a helmet. That's all I said. He's, <laughs> he's a clever freaking dude. Those those clamps that he makes are just Oh, yeah. His channel, is, his channel is blowing up. He does very well, as well he, as it should. produced videos. Yeah. Well produced videos, and he's such a good machinist and welder, and 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 he's one of these guys that's a neat nick. And it doesn't seem like it's hard for him to be neat. It just seems to be the right. way he was born, and uh, it's inspiring. Right. And he's yeah, got it's the, one of those. I wish I was that kind of way. Kind yeah, of. he's yeah. got a killer, killer uh, water jet machine. He's got like. Oh, uh, I am. Uh, too, I am all about. Oh, I wish I had a water jet. I've been. I've all of a sudden after Peter Brown did the encasing pizza in resin, and then doing they. He worked with the water jet channel. After watching a few of their videos, I'm like, oh my god, I need a water jet. So well, I, I priced the water jet. Do with it. I just. I priced one. the water jet last year, and I decided I'd rather buy a whole new house than buy another water jet. Buy a water jet. So <laughs> so I'm going to have my second home before I buy <laughs> my uh, third home in the form of a water jet. Yeah, that's well, awesome. Have, yeah, that's uh, that's a good that's a good pick. Fireball tools. He didn't he just do the file backwards and forwards. Yes, over yes. The, okay. Yep. Yeah, he that, wanted to prove to everybody like, that that was a ridiculous troll. 
I love that. I love I love when someone can like completely truly just put the trolls the to The great part is the great part is I he apparently got a whole bunch of crap over the way he did it. Like it's like geez, you guys are just never ha- like just take the L. Take the L. Like get oh, on yeah. with your life. Like, yeah. oh, you didn't he use you didn't use hardened steel. That's when it really happens. It's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Who's who filing? files hardened steel? <laughs> Who files hardened steel? <laughs> but you know what? Like Yes, give me <laughs> give me the negative content and engagement. I'll take it. Right. Oh yeah, the engagement. If you're looking yep. for engagement, negative is much better than positive mm-hmm. because negative angry people are much more likely to comment than positive people. Yep. So that's why I throw my tools around and stuff for two reasons. <laughs> <laughs> looking for an edit point. So in like instead of just using the thing and just like slowly dissolving it to something else, I'm always looking for like the slam sh- slam cut. <laughs> or people like, oh, I wish I had those tools. If I had your tools, I wouldn't be throwing them around. Well, if you work harder, you could have my tools. If you stop watching YouTube and complaining about and what other tools you make people something. have, you can make yeah. some stuff. You can have bald arms just like every other knife maker too. You just got to work harder at it. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, cool. I'll have uh, I'll have um, Jason's yeah. link in the show notes. That's a good. He's that's awesome. a good choice. Um, Ethan, thing of the week, sir. All right, I'm gonna do my soft thing of the week first. Oh, we've got two this week again, don't well, we? It's just because it's not—it's not a maker thing, but it is a good channel from okay. what you've what you uh, realized and acknowledged earlier. I'm very much into dog training, and and just for everyone that thinks I'm not a, I'm not the kind of dog person that like wants a like super agility training dog. Anyone that saw my thing tonight, that's not what it's about. It's just my dog is like super high energy and smart and needs a lot of stimulation. So that's why I'm doing it. But um, really, really good YouTube training channel. Uh, It's called Zach, Z-A-K, George's Dog Training Revolution. He has a million videos. I think he's, he's got almost, he's got three and a half million subscribers. So I'm not giving him any anything that he needs but he's very very good uh definitely shout out to him he's got basically a dog training video for everything that you could ever possibly need you guys check him out ethan do you watch uh i always recommend uh peter kane do you ever watch peter kane no peter kane peter kane is a dog trainer who's super odd super odd peter kane he's on youtube He's on YouTube. He doesn't have a huge channel. He's really weird. He puts a lot of people off, but his dog training ability is... Is it with a K or with a C? C. C. Um, his, like I said, oh, his, okay. he's also an artist, so his videos are like inter... inter oh, well di- then. Sometimes they're like really weird art. Like he's a, he's an artist that's like a Lower East Side weird, like crazy artist. He lives <laughs> up here now. He lives in a, in a town about, uh, about an hour west of here. And he trained Chippy. And he trained Bear. Oh, he's awesome. really, really good. Uh, instant, instantly subscribed. Oh, my God. I yeah. can't wait. Tomorrow, this is going to be – I'm on vacation tomorrow. So I'm going to A lot of his videos have Chippy in them because he had Chippy for no like way. three months. Yeah. Oh. So his videos from a year ago, a lot of them, Chippy's in them. Very oh, cool. That's awesome. And uh, what, one funny thing I was going to say. So he got famous on Tosh 2.0. Um, 
He got on. He got famous on Tosh 2.0 because he did a video where he he basically yells at the camera the whole time. He's like, "Don't touch my dog," and he cursed a lot. He's like, "Don't touch my effing dog." If you see somebody in the street, don't walk up and touch the dog. Right? It's not your no. dog. You want a dog? Touch your own dog. Don't touch my dog. <laughs> he's like, "My dog is trained." You come up and you knock him out of his training by saying, "Come here," yeah. and getting him yeah. all riled up. Don't get my dog riled up. I don't want my dog riled up. That's Just leave hilarious. him alone. And then, but. He did it very, very more emotionally oh, I can't, charged. No, this is going to be my my. And that got him on Tosh 2.0 and me and Taylor watching it. And she was laughing. She was, I love this guy. And then like <laughs> within the, the next week, she's already on – she's talking to him on email. And then he started training our dogs. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. This is like – this is my this is my day tomorrow apparently. <laughs> and then when we went away in September for, for two weeks, we drove around the country. We left Chippy with him just so Chippy can get a little brush up on his training. So where, where is he located? Uh, he's in uh, Western New York. I honestly oh, I nice. can't remember the name of the town, but it's like an hour and a half from here, directly west. Oh, awesome. We dropped him off on our way into the country, on our drive. So we dropped Chippy off, and then on the way back, we picked Chippy up. That's so awesome. Yeah, he's well, like off I have, 90, I have a soft really far away for uh, Western New York, anyways. So yeah. Mm. Oh well, awesome. yeah. I mean, oh, no, definitely. I'm gonna check this out. This is amazing. Oh, cool. yeah. I'll add him. I'll add him to. So Jimmy now has. Jimmy's like a professional. Jimmy's got two things, two things too. a week. Two things a week. Um, but but my maker thing, my maker thing of the week is a former guest, uh, <laughs> one of our favorite people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we I think I embarrassed him by saying. I thought of him as a young Jimmy Duresta mm-hmm. when he was on. Uh, it is Tyler Bell and oh, his yeah. new robot hand controlled by my real hand video. He is just. He's great. Tyler was he, here twice. He took two uh, classes at the house, blacksmithing classes. He's great. He's amazing, right? He's, he's just. There's so many things I like about him. Um, I love his videos. He's super smart, obviously. Uh, he His projects are really, really fun and engaging um i literally don't understand a thing he says in any of his videos but i still <laughs> love them and he just what my favorite part about his videos though is that his excitement when the when the thing works yeah he's he's so he's so he's so passionate and he's it's, so passionate he's like great. he gets like the excitement level is like beyond any excitement level and i and it's so genuine and that's why i love his bit i love his videos um but he's he's just such a super talent and super super smart guy super genuine guy and i love his videos and uh yeah so anyways it's an amazing video he so basically the video is he made a like leather glove that he can control a robotic hand with yeah and it works amazing, and it's based off of uh, MythBusters, which I also think, I, like, I really like. I don't know why it kind of hit me in like a like a soft spot, but it was based off when he was watching them, uh, MythBusters, make something similar back in the day when he was a kid, and I think that's super sweet because I mean, I mean, he still looks like a kid, but <laughs> so I just imagining him back in the week. day watching <laughs> MythBusters, and now he's recreated the recreated it in his own way and i don't know i think i think it's really cool he's just really really talented great yeah. video and if he's you just, guys yeah. i'll give you another third thing of the week if you guys uh, are interested in learning more about tyler bell you can catch last year's interview with him on the full blast podcast it's very very in-depth and you get to know oh, yeah? a lot about him yeah it's really oh, good I, I didn't see, i didn't listen to that oh i, yeah. I will definitely do that it was out was- last october yeah 
he was fun he was fun to have on it was it yeah. was I feel like we I feel like we get everybody on the upswing, which I'm cool with that. You know, like this this Jimmy Duresta kid, he's going yeah, places. He's, too, he's gonna you know? he's gonna make it someday. <laughs> well, I I the reason I had this conversation on my podcast about the you know moments in time where you realize like that was a fork in the road. Like this is going to be that right. moment where like okay, my life went that way. That Wednesday a week ago. So tomorrow is today Monday. Today, Today is Monday. Yep. Okay, so this Wednesday will be a week ago um, that I met with uh, several guys. We're going to start a company together, a tool company. They came here from the Midwest to come and meet me. Three guys that own uh, uh, several companies, and they want to start a company with me and my business partner, a product company. Uh, and we will de- design, develop products that will go in Walmart, Home Depot, and Lowe's. What? Awesome. And so this that conversation about you know turning points in the road. I knew the minute we were done with the podcast, I was going to have my meeting with these guys that was going to, they, they got off an airplane, came to my house. So we were done with the podcast at say 1030. They were here by 1130 and I spent the entire day with them. We had lunch, we had dinner together and they left at like at about nine o'clock at night. And we spent the whole entire day just brainstorming what a company would look like, what the products look like, how we would market, you know, through social media, how we would use other YouTubers and other social media experts to be involved in developing tools and products that's awesome that's and, uh, incredible that's, so, so joking about you know i'm on my way up i feel like you know <laughs> in next year i could be you know the the the, the jimmy Duresta walmart king who knows, who well, knows? You know, there's worse things in the world to be than the king of walmart at this point and that's outside sure. outside of that company which is how we came to know them me and my business partner have products coming into walmart in february and march no way! And, really? Yeah, yeah, for real. And that, like, that's that's what started our relationship with these guys because they're oh, all, wow. they're all like you know Walmart uh, associate uh, executives and stuff. And well, so, yeah. pers- per- uh, personally, just from the whole like Duresta outpost and stuff like that, I I just I'm on like I'm super happy and proud that that Thank you're you. getting the the recognition and the whatever it is. I don't know what the right word is but i'm super happy that you're getting that that you deserve oh thank you very much thank you thank you yeah Yeah. you know i started this whole journey as a product guy like i started this like from 1990 right after i got out of school i was trying to design and develop products that have gone into stores and i had some success there i had more success developing other people's products well i was gonna ask you like my own products and now with the branding you know i can kind of go back into it in that way I was gonna ask at some point if you if you miss the like toy designing or that kind of like like well to be perfectly honest I didn't I didn't I don't miss it in the capacity in which I was involved Uh, yeah I love the travel I love the experience I develop which all again goes back into my YouTube day to day goes back into my Instagram day to day you know my ability to like say oh look at this how this works you know and you know again it goes it all goes to the ten thousand hours Mm -hmm. but now coming back into product design and development working with these guys. I'm sitting there with these guys and I'm talking to them in their language. They, they're like, right. and they know, like I, they, I was like, guys, you know, I've been to Hong Kong 75 times. I've been right. to Southern China. I've been to factories that make, you know, inflatables. I've been to factories that make plush animals. I've been to factories that make injection molding, steel, bending, welding, stamping, die cutting. And I speak their language because that's what these right. guys sell, you know, all these Walmart, you know, mass market products. 
you know, whether it's like a, a square for, you know, woodworking or, you know, any kind of weird metal thing, you know, mostly made in Asia. They want to start bringing back made in America. They just bought a 300,000 square foot facility in the Midwest and they want to turn part of it into a factory. And I was just giving them suggestions and saying, well, I know, you know, we use this type of material in America versus, you know, this is a type of, this is a good type of product line that we could develop that's made in America because it right. uses these materials and these old machines. And they're like, wow, that's a great idea. You know, instead of me just coming up with like, why don't we make of this? And why don't we make of that? I can <laughs> help them with the infrastructure of why don't we make of this? And why don't we make of that? Why don't we make of this out of this material using these machines in this location with these people? And they're like, Oh my God, that's a great story. You well, know, and that all just comes with you 10,000 hours. Yeah, all yeah. of a sudden you go from idea to an actionable item that they can actually mm-hmm. do something with. Yes. Yeah. And you had, and you built, you had these experiences that you went through that could be translatable into these yeah. situations. So like yeah. I said, I don't miss the toy business because it was so difficult to mm-hmm. get products placed. And I went from trying to split royalties with people all the time to me just going, just right. pay me. And they're like, you don't want the royalties? I'm like, there's usually never any royalties and I end up working for free. So just pay me. Yeah, just give me that. All the hundreds of thousands of dollars in profit you're going to you make. Keep the 10 cents a unit. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You keep the two points and just pay me 5000 a month and then I'll be happy. And they're like, are you sure? I mean, you can leave a lot of money on the table. I'm like, this product isn't in the stores yet. It's just an idea. Just pay me for my prototype work. Nobody and- that ever says you're leaving a lot of money on the table ever comes back to you later and says, see how much money you left on the table? <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. I'm going to knock out yeah. my thing of the week real quick. Yes, Vincent, Jimmy, go. I have a video for you. I have someone you need to follow because he's doing crazy things with his CNC. And it's somebody that I think you're going to enjoy, especially with this video. So our friend Jeff, who's also known as a weird guy on YouTube, he's um, he's a really cool dude. And he got he got a shape Oko double XL at the same time I got one. And he's just surpassed my knowledge so far that it actually makes me uncomfortable sometimes. So he is he crushed it. He made a Groot bust Groot from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yes, for those yes, of you. yes. You yeah. sent it to the chat. Yep. So mm-hmm. he made the bust, but he didn't just like 3D print it and make it look like wood. He actually came up with a couple of ways to make this thing work in his CNC. Now, I have the same CNC, and I look at it and go, how the hell did you do that? He cut holes in the wasteboard. He cut another hole in the wasteboard to do the top. He basically did like a four, five, four different cutting, four different carvings at least. Five, five, because he did all four sides plus the top of the head. It's mind-boggling what he did here. It's unbelievable. I'm looking at it yeah, now. He's, he's a it's, super talent. It's man. incredible. And, uh, yeah. Jimmy, this is the kind of stuff he does with his CNC. He did a lamp. Um, mm-hmm. He did a lamp a couple of months ago that he just wanted to just do something completely nuts. And that's exactly what he did. It's not just like, oh, I took a sheet and I cut some holes in it and I glued it together. He literally carved the entire lamp in stages, stacked it, and it's 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 ridiculous. I, I think he's a perfect follow for you. But whether or not Jimmy thinks he's a perfect follow, I think he's a perfect follow. He's also a I'm good friend of the show. I'm watching this video now and I just subscribed to him. All right. Yeah. There you go. There you go. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna crap his pants when he sees that. Button, right? I just want to point that out. Nope. I just want you know, you know. Let me get let me give Jeff his due. Um, I'll put the link in the show notes. But you got to watch the way he does it. Even if you don't have a CNC, yeah. the way he figured out how to do it, it's an amazing video. And the first he basically like, used, six, he used that bottom block as like the as uh-huh. the as, as his, the key. Uh, as as his, his key. key. Yep. 
yep. it's amazing. And he explains the whole process through doing it in doing it with Fusion 360, which if you've ever used Fusion 360 for cam, you know what a pain in the butt that is. So this oh is a God. hell of a project. Um, one of the better ones. Wow. Um, I, fr- I started to say something. I forgot what I was saying. I was just very excited to get this out there. But yeah, this is this is how he pushes the envelope with the hobbyist level CNC. It's kind of ridiculous. So. It's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, he, nope. he's a, he's a super talent for he sure. Re- he really is. He really is, and he's a very cool dude, which is kind of yeah. nice. And he he's financially- a weird guy, apparently. But he, you know, and he financially supports the show just like a bunch of other people. Like for example, <laughs> Leanne and Nick That's from Hemlock and Hyde, Dave from Atomic Airship Works, Emily Joyce, Ed from Ed's Clock and more rory from rll woodworks chris from full steam designs jeff stein aka a weird guy there he is debbie haddock jerry hyduke joey from jh custom woodcraft dean duplantis jacob anguiano from native sunwood art robert j keller scott from dad it yourself diy the one and only grant alexander tony langer from langer works jacob from other dog designs jake from mymakejake.com big al schultz new york woodworks who's also jimmy's neighbor um <laughs> J- Justin Ofer, Bear Naked, Greg from Platte Valley Woodworks, Adam Mackey, Maker Mackey, and the Clamp Podcast, Kim and Garrett, Andrew Richard from Andrew Richard Makes, Kellen Hazlip of Kellen Makes, David from Southern Style DIY, Jeff from the Weekend DIYer, Sean Walworth from the Proper Tools Podcast, Chris Raley from Route Nine Signs, another fan of yours, Jimmy. I love and Chris. He's such a sweetheart. Hey, oh he's my wonderful. God, he's so talented. And oh Henry God. Davis from HT1 Metalworks. Those are all the people that make this show financially possible. We appreciate appreciate each and every one of them. If you can't support the show financially, then share the show, write a review, whatever you can do to spread the show. We appreciate that just as much also if you haven't already it's probably too late for christmas but i'm not going to take the page down at becausewemake.com slash listener shops if you'd like to support the people that support this show you can buy their stuff at those links they're all on that page right there jimmy if i didn't ask a certain question there would be an outright revolt among the people that follow me and know me and know how i how I love you dearly. And the question I have to ask you, and we didn't get to talk about it as much as we joked when I first talked about having you on the show, but what is your perfect burrito? (laughs) I like like a ground beef burrito or a chorizo burrito. Chorizo is kind of like, you don't always see chorizo in burrito, but um, a ground ground beef burrito with like the the ground beef a little, little burnt. Mm-hmm. Got to be a little bit burnt. I don't want it mushy. Burnt. Uh, yeah, I like, crisp, crisp edges. Mm-hmm. I like uh, um, a nice hot sauce. There's a couple different sauces I like. Uh, I'm all Franks. I like Franks. I like smoky uh, um, McHenry's. You know the stuff mm. you see at the, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At Chipotle. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, we always steal one or two of those when we're there. <laughs> I can lie. A, There's a couple in the fridge. Are you a from... rice person in a burrito? Or do you oh, like yeah. Rice? Yeah? I do, okay. yeah. Absolutely. I wouldn't. I don't mind rice in a burrito. And beans? Yeah. Beans, no? rice, yeah. All of it. Like a California burrito has got all that stuff jammed mm-hmm. in it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved. I loved that you did a whole bunch of videos and there were burritos in like every video for like <laughs> two months. And it was the greatest thing ever because like, you made the burrito guillotine, which was probably my favorite thing that you made. I'm touching it right now. <laughs> it's right beside my desk. We're not doing video, but it's right beside my desk and I hang my, my ear ear cans uh, on it. 
Mm-hmm. That's and amazing. It's always, it's, okay. Like if I moved it to put it in a better spot, I have nowhere to put my ear. My ear. <laughs> <laughs> it went from burrito to headphone stand. Burrito cutter to headphone stand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's freaking fantastic. And Just, I started. To, I kept doing the burritos. People keep saying in the comments. I'm like, all right, I got to go get a burrito now. They got to be in the yeah. comments. Yeah, yeah. No, there's. It's never. It's always burrito o'clock somewhere, as they say. <laughs> and if they don't say it, they should be saying it. Yeah. Jimmy, it has been an absolute honor to have you yes, on the podcast. Thank you so much, Jimmy. I, I, it's weird to have someone i mean to have someone that inspires so many people just right. come and spend a couple of hours talking to us it's just great it, it's it, makes us feel like, and, yeah. it makes us feel like we're doing something right so we really appreciate having you on no, you it's guys been are wonderful. so passionate and you know i love i love listening to you guys interview people because you're you're both so eager and and passionate about what you do and you know thank you thank you for including me it's been an absolute oh. honor. Well, of course. I mean, I know this is redundant, but of course we're going to have Jimmy's links in the show. I mean, if do I need <laughs> yeah. to give you, you Jimmy's know, links? You <laughs> I mean, really, at this point, I can't imagine there's anyone that listens to this podcast that isn't already following, listening to, and has been inspired by the one and only Jimmy Duresta. So oh, um, his links will be in there. That's going to do it for this year, everybody. We are done for the year. We will be wow. back at some point in January. I don't know what day, but stay subscribed to the podcast. If you haven't subscribed, now that you've heard Jimmy, this is what our shows are typically like. They're just conversations. So if you like what we did here, we do it every week, every Wednesday morning at 5 a.m. Eastern time, an episode drops. So uh, come and join us. Come follow us and uh, play along with the rest of us. Even if you don't, awesome. I hope you enjoyed this one. With the, the rest of us. The rest of us. Oh, Damn that it, I missed... That's a horrible way to end. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. I have to uh, end the year on a pun like that. Oh, I'm gonna, that you know horrible. what? We are going to end the year on a pun like that. That's the last yeah, thing the you're going to hear. <laughs> we'll be back at some point in January. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for Thank everything you. this year. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, and... Jimmy's, Jimmy's going to say something. Yes, and um, now I have to. There's only one proper way to close this show. Now? Go. Yeah. I love you. I love you. Bye. Bye.